Receiving the phone call that an organ you need to stay alive is ready for transplant can lead to mixed emotions. I am not going to lie to you. I miss my husband more than anything in this world. But, you know, his contract was up. And now I, I cannot sit back here and wither away. I have to keep pushing forward. I'm Marian Chuck, your host for Let's Talk Hope. Today, my guest is Sarah Butts, and she's here to talk about her loving husband, who was a Decatur policeman who lost his life waiting for a precious gift that never arrived in time. Yes, we're going to talk about organ and tissue donation and the power it has to create lasting legacies and save lives. And we're going to talk about the legacy for Sarah's husband. Sarah, can you tell us a little bit about your husband and the weight that never arrived in time. Oh, yes. Um, Tommy um, was a police officer here in Decatur for 30 years. Um, retired. Um, we, our kids were all grown out of college. We were very excited. Got to start do, doing the things that married couples get to do after everyone leaves the house. He just caught a virus, a fluke virus. It attacked his kidneys. We were shocked. We ended up in St. Louis. Um, they told us we'd had five or 10 years before we had to think about dialysis or transplant or anything. And just to go live our lives and make the few adjustments that we had to keep his kidney function up and just live life. About 10 months later, that wasn't the case. They had to go in and we had to start peritoneal dialysis at home, basically immediately. And they told us that we needed to look for a kidney. That was what I was here to do. Uh, I resigned from my job. Um, I just took to social media, any, anybody that would listen to us, begging, literally begging for people to become organ donors. It, it, it was a long year. It, it was a long year of dialysis and at home, and it just it didn't happen for us. We didn't get the kidney. But there's something that through all the interviews and everything that we did, I always stressed, and I have always been a believer in this, if you couldn't be a donor for my husband, I couldn't fathom another family having to go through what we were going through. Please, I, I beg and did continue to beg, go on to be a donor for someone else. It's life changing. It's, it is just the fear of sleeping next to my husband at night and rolling over thinking, is, is he going to wake up tomorrow? Is he still breathing? It is something that I, I seriously don't ever want to have to, can't even fathom someone else having to go through it. Sometimes now I lay there and think to myself, how did I do that? You know, how did I do it? But you just get in that mode and you just power through. But it is it is gut wrenching. Absolutely. And Sarah, prior to, you know, having this virus attack your husband's kidneys, what was your understanding of organ and tissue donation? Had you and your family had these conversations so that you could work through this before? Uh, yes, most definitely. We didn't know anybody who had ever received any transplant. We, I mean, transfusions in blood. We, you know, we were always donors of blood. We signed the back of our license. You know, we were, if it came to that situation, we had talked to our kids. We had talked. This has always been something very open in my family that we discussed. And yes, we have always been on board because once you pass and you go, if we could save somebody else and make another family not have to go through what our family would go through. We were 100% on board for that. 
Absolutely. And even in, as you mentioned that, um, giving somebody a second chance as well, even in his death, Tommy was still able to donate uh, his corneas. What was your family's thinking about him being able to still give in spite of not being able to receive? The feeling was amazing. We have three children, a daughter and two sons and one grandson. But we were all in the car together as we were leaving after Tommy passed. We left the hospital. We were driving home and we we get the call about the corneas, some tissue and bone. And we were just amazed that they were so thoughtful if you don't want to talk about this now, we can talk with you in the morning. And we were like, no, we want to talk about this now. It was very important, I think, to have my children around to see how easy this was, how in this horrible time for us, it brought us just a little bit of happiness that we could help somebody else. We could help somebody see, we could prolong someone's life. You know, we were able to, you know, help a a burn victim. It's just amazing. I can't describe it. When I talk about it now, the the hair on my arm still stands up. I I completely understand, Sarah. Not the exact same thing happened to me two and a half years ago, but two and a half years ago, I lost my husband after 30 years of being married. It was sudden. Uh, It was a heart attack. He was able to do the same thing, donate his corneas, donate tissue and skin and bone. And so I totally recognize the walk and the journey that you have. And while our journeys are different, we still walk alongside each other in grief. And so tell me just a little bit about what you've done to create this legacy for Tommy and how you've been able to tell a story of being an amazing police officer and how the family and the community reacts to one, his loss, but also reacts to his giving nature. Well, I have an amazing community. I have amazing family, amazing friends that I, I wouldn't, I don't know how I would have done it without all of them. And, and Tommy was an amazing guy. You know, he was a police officer. He always gave. There were numerous times where he would come home and had been on a detail and something would happen. And he'd say, hey, you know, is there enough money left over this month where we could go buy this young man or daughter or girl, I'm sorry, a bike? Um, I was on a detail and I, you know, I really want to get them a bike. And so Tommy was always doing the behind the scenes stuff. So when the community found out that he was in need of some help, um, it was, it was overwhelming. I, I cannot stress enough how overwhelming it was. It, it just wasn't meant to be. So as a family through this whole process, when Tom got sick, we constantly said to people, what can we do to make this process easier? How can we get people to understand about not only kidney donation, but just organ donation in general? How do we, how do we do this? So we talked and we talked and we talked to anyone at the grocery store, at a baseball game, at a hockey game, anywhere we were at, we talked about this. And after Tom passed, I received an email from a Minnesota trooper. Um, She was, she's amazing. And she said to me, I've been following your story on Facebook and I've decided to donate one of my kidneys. And I thought, oh, wow, how great. We got to join my whole family. The kids and I joined in on her process. Um, We went through all of her doctor visits, did the whole thing. She was able to donate her kidney. And she said it's such an amazing experience. But she told me she would have never thought to do this had she not seen our story. She felt this connection both of them being in law enforcement. She came to visit us. We, we, we love her. You know, we're in contact. 
thank God for texting. You know, it's great. But um, that is how my family gets through it. I mean, there are days I'm driving in a car and I hope no one sees me because my mascara is probably running all the way down my chest. But grief just hits you and it just comes and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. You know, I am not going to lie to you. I miss my husband more than anything in this world. And there are times I say I would do anything, but I take a deep breath and say, you know, his contract was up. And now I, I cannot sit back here and wither away. I have to keep pushing forward. And again, you know, it's not just that he needed a kidney. It's just that I want to save someone from going through this. And I always said, if I could just get one person to donate, I would be happy. Well, I've gotten that one person to donate. So now I want a hundred more people to donate. Other than our three children and our, our two grandsons now, it's all I get up for in the morning. Sarah, that is so great. And I'm so pleased that you've been able to take this mission and be able to get your first person to donate. And I have no doubt that you will continue to get many more people to donate. Uh, A quick question for you. When this happened, did you and Tommy and your three children have the conversation uh, about maybe one of you being able to donate to him? And if so, what was that conversation like? What was the outcome? The conversation was a little unique, I think, when we were told that he was able to have a transplant, you know, that he was going to need a transplant. And we went through the classes and we did everything. It was, you know, a whole day. We were in the car driving home and we had already talked to our children. Well, they were all ready to sign up, get in line. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Our younger son already had an issue with a kidney. So he was kind of out our daughter was, she had one son. She was in the process of maybe getting pregnant, weren't sure. So my husband was just like, I can't, no, it was a hard decision. And then our middle son was all on board. This is what we're going to do. And my husband set our kids down because we were unsure at that time what the issue was exactly. You know, we were being told it was unexplained kidney disease. It just, so we were very unsure of, is this going to attack our children? Is this going to do this? Is this, gonna, you know, what are we going to do? They all ended up testing. Of course, none of them were a match. He's an O negative. You see a lot of that. Um, it's kind of ironic. He can donate to anyone, but he can only have O negative. He can only have O. So it, it just, it was a shock to us. So it was hard. You know, the kids were very devastated. They just, we all wanted to help Tommy. You know, we did have a donor and then at the last minute something happened and it wasn't just perfect. So we had to cancel the surgery. So we we went through all realms of organ donation. It was hard. You know, my husband was put on life support and to have to make that decision with your three kids staring at you because you're a mom, you're supposed to fix everything is something that I will never, ever, ever forget. But in the end, this is what happened. It makes my heart beat a little faster knowing that we helped somebody else. In this horrible tragedy, there was good. That is what we do every day at Gift of Hope, Sarah. Yeah. You know, we really try to change those tragic circumstances into a, a lasting legacy. We change it from tragedy to triumph in 
being able to one, just disseminate the message about organ and tissue donation, but really to take stories such as yours, which are different outside of our realm because we coordinate the organ and tissue donation process. But I think it's so important to be able to have folks share their stories, especially like yours of someone, you know, where Tommy was such a pillar of the community, your family was so giving and to really understand that we don't always have a happy ending and that sometimes good people miss out on a life-saving organ. And so I want people to recognize in the telling of your story that you did all the right things, Sarah, your family did all the right things, but Tommy's kidney didn't arrive in time, but yet you're still this strong, vibrant woman who is still going to do good and still going to tell Tommy's story. Tell us what's next in your chapter in terms of, you know, how are you going to continue to disseminate the message about Tommy? How are you going to continue to get to your hundred donors? What's going to happen? What's your next chapter? Sometimes I don't even know. Sometimes I wake up and go, what am I doing today? You know what? My goal, and it was my goal from the very beginning, is one, I don't want anyone to ever forget Tommy. I don't want this to just to be like, oh, there's Sarah. I, 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 I want Tommy to live on in his name, in our kids, in our grandchildren. And I will tell this story every day, a hundred times a day, as long as I can tell the story just so that one, people don't have to die. People can live lives. If we as people are a little, uh, maybe just a little more giving, and I, I use that word, I don't, because I don't know a better word for it, our understanding, you know, understanding, I think is the key because as I'm telling my story, I hear so many people say things to me like, I've always thought I would donate, but I haven't talked to anybody. And I'm like, talk, sign up sign your driver's license, do whatever you have to, do not hesitate. Talk to your sister, your brother, your mom, your spouse, your neighbor, your best friend. Tell anybody and everyone that that is something that you want to do. And and just make sure everyone knows it's so important when I'm talking to people about it, how they don't talk about it, how quiet they are about it, how, oh, that's just such a weird thing to talk about. It is not. It is not a weird thing at all. I mean, we talked about it and never thought we would experience any of this. And then when we did have this, there was no hesitation. When they told us that the left side of Tommy's brain was completely gone, the kids and I just looked at each other. And I tell this story not to make people upset, but when we went into his room, I went to the top of his head. My daughter went to his right side and put her head on his chest and my boys each took a hand. And when it was Basically 10 minutes, we were there. We felt his last heartbeat, his last breath. We just sat there as a family. We entered that hospital as a family in five, and we left as a family of four. But we left knowing that there was going to be some good out of this, that Tommy was going to help someone. Granted, we begged, we pleaded, we prayed for someone to help Tommy. And maybe that wasn't his calling. His calling maybe was just to do this. Be a police officer, and in the end, give your corneas, you know, to someone, give some skin to someone, you know, and, and maybe those people will go on and do different things and become donors or presidents. I, I, you know, I don't know, but I feel that that's what I have to do. I, I just can't stop. I just need to keep talking. You're so correct in that 
it starts with the conversation, Sarah. The yep. conversation has to happen. Yep. You know, it's our mantra at Gift of Hope. The conversation has to happen all day, every day. It yep. cannot just happen at funerals. It cannot nope. happen when someone's sick. It has to happen at work. It has to happen at play and school and church and college. And, you know, even for our teenagers, when I started working at Gift of Hope, people were horrified that I would have this conversation with our 10-year-old daughter at the time, you know, but I wanted her to know where I worked and what I was doing. And I realized that this 10 year old, if something happened to my husband or myself, she's our legal next to kin. She would have to make that decision. And so it's very important that we don't shield our children from these conversations. Too often people shield their children from conversations about finances, about health and, and, and wellness and things that go on. And you're right. These conversations have to be had. And so I'm so thankful that you're going to continue not only sharing Tommy's story, but, you know, being out there to be a champion for Gift of Hope. What would you want other families to know about your your journey and what they can do to continue journeys for their loved ones themselves, but really about the conversation about living donation, organ and tissue donation. What do you want other families to know? I just want them to be aware. I, I kind of want to go back to your talking with children. Our grandson was six at the time. Pops was a big deal to him. I'll never forget a quote he said that we all laughed about. He said, I can't wait for my pops to get a kidney. And I said, so he can run and chase you. And he was so funny. He said, Pops knows how to run. And we laughed about that. <laughs> but kids are, it's just amazing. You just, they, they are wonderful. He was such a good person. You know, he would tell all his little hockey buddies, hey, we're going to do a video for my Pops to put out. And we're going to tell everybody to lasso, lasso a kidney for my Pops, you know. And just, and he was extremely into it. We played the game Operation and explained to him what was going to happen and how, you know, this is where your kidney is. And, you know, and it was so amazing how good they are. And he still talks about it. He still says things. He wears a little bracelet, you know, it says, Team Tommy, share your spare. Kids are very good at getting information out, you know, in their own little way. That's so great. And one of the things that uh, we haven't really fleshed out is that, when we talk about starting the conversation, you started the conversation as someone uh, who had a loved one who was waiting and you utilized a lot of different ways to tell that story. You use social media. Help us understand just a little bit about how you got the story about Tommy and his weight out there. Tell us about the weight and what you did to just really you know, hone in on that and get people to understand that they could be advocates for Tommy. Right. The weight is horrendous. The weight, when you know you're waiting for a life-saving, altering organ, there's no word. But for us, when we were at our transplant meeting, and that is a meeting where they tell you all about what transplant, what has to happen, I think people have the misconception that there's a list of donors over here and they go, oh, Tommy, you're a match with Mr. Smith. That is not how it works uh, at all. I mean, they have a list of people that need organs, but there is no list of, which is bizarre to me, but that's another story. We sat there and, you know, we were in a room with like five other people that were needing different, that were also needing kidneys. We have a personal person that works with you and our transplant coordinator, as they call it, 
he was talking to me and we were going back and forth. And he basically said to me, he said, Mrs. Butts, and, and I will never forget this. He said, you will be the one to find your husband's kidney. And I was like, oh, what do you, oh, okay, wait a minute. He goes, I need you. And he's very serious to hit every social media outlet. Anybody who will listen to you, do it. Do whatever you can, because we're finding out that that really generates people's interest. You know, you start with your family and you move on. Well, I don't know if anyone knows this, but police officers are kind of private people. (laughs) They don't really do a lot of social media. And I got home and I'm like, okay, I'm doing this. And he was a little reluctant. And I said, this will go out to everyone you know. This will go out to all of our family. We did talk to our family first and our very close friends. We talked to all of them first. And then within 24 hours, I hit social media and we had, I don't even remember what the count was. But then the next morning, I woke up and I had three news stations, you know, Facebooking me and our cell phones were ringing and the house phone was ringing. And we were like, okay, what is going on? We, we almost, it was like a, a, a high we had right then and there. Cause we're like, oh my God, you know, um, the call center, um, for, uh, our kidney donations was inundated with calls. You know, they were trying to get back to people and it, it was just crazy. We had people from out of state chiming in and it was amazing. I just couldn't give up even as every day I would do a post, I would say something, uh, he was a police officer and we found a little thing that said, wanted lefty or either lefty or righty will do, you know, for kidney, anything that we could do, anybody that would listen to us. We had little rubber bracelets made. We had yard signs that we did. We did everything, everything possible. Before he passed away, we were in the process of designing billboards. I mean, we just we couldn't do enough. I mean, I did as much as I possibly could. And it, it, it just, it, it just wasn't meant to be. I mean, we really tried everything we possibly could think of. People say to me and ask me, you know, how do you, what do you say? And I just say it wasn't meant to be. Now we have to figure out how to go on from here. And my family has decided this is how we're going to go on. We're, we're not going to forget about Tommy and, and pretend that this is a horrible thing. And it just went, it's, it's done. Um, we've decided to turn it around and figure out how can we as a family make it easier for another family. And so um, this is what we're doing. Sarah, I have to tell you, I am so amazed by your brilliance, your resilience, and just your energy. Uh, I would say it took me a good two and a half years to get to the point where you are. And I admire you for championing your husband's legacy and for really helping, you know, our listeners to understand that you can turn a tragedy into a triumph and you can, as a family, continue to lean into not only each other, but lean into your community and lean into the legacy of your husband. I want to thank you so much uh, for being here with me today to just talk about Tommy and his legacy. I guess I have one final question, and I know that he was a police officer. Is there anything that the police department um, has done to be so supportive of you and Tommy's legacy? Well, they are definitely our family in blue and they have stood behind us. They, they, they are just, they're there now just completely for um, moral support. They are an amazing, amazing group of women and men that um, I will always be indebted to. 
Well, I, again, I want to thank you for you know being here today, and I hope that we can keep in touch uh, mm-hmm. as not only women and widows, <laughs> but as as women who strongly support organ and tissue donation yeah. and who strive to make a difference. I commend you, and uh, I look forward to talking to you in the future. Well, thank you so much, and thank you for having me and helping me uh, live up to my word and spread the word and hopefully we get some um, more people to sign up. Definitely. You have to come back when you reach your hundredth person. I definitely will. Thanks for listening to Let's Talk Hope, where we encourage you to start the conversation about organ and tissue donation with your loved ones today and make your wishes known. You can register to become a donor at giftofhope.org or by texting the word HOPE, H-O-P-E, to 51555. Hello, Tina Montgomery, Supervisor Community Outreach. In my role, I'm responsible for raising awareness and educating the community about organ, eye, and tissue donation. Daily, I'm asked a lot of questions about the donation process and how does it work? So we've added some questions to our wheel and we're gonna give it a spin and then answer those questions for the audience. All right, so let's spin the wheel. And the wheel is going around and round and round and round. And it has landed on question number seven. The question number seven is, who can be a donor? I get this all the time and I say, never count yourself out. Virtually anyone, regardless of their age, race, or gender, can become an organ and tissue donor. Donors are usually healthy people who have suffered a life-ending trauma and are declared legally dead. Medical eligibility depends on many factors and is determined after the donor's death. So please, never count yourself out. You never know what you could be saving or enhancing someone's life. Well, I want to thank you all for that question. We'll have more questions on our big wheels on our next episode, so stay tuned or come back to hear more donation facts. If you like what you've heard today, we hope that you will listen again and wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Let's Talk Hope was produced by Rivet, and if you'd like to hear more great podcasts, please visit rivet360.com.